The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Mindful of your health. Sponsored by Emergence Health Network. Hi, everyone, and we want to welcome you back to another episode of our EHN Mindful of Your Health podcast vodcast. I'm your host, Noreen Jaramillo, and we're glad that you're with us because we have Lupita Pena with us today, and she is a licensed professional counselor at EHN. So, Lupita, thank you. Thank you for having me. And we me. want to pick your brain on a wide variety of topics today, but we want to start Great. off with um, our West Side primary care clinic, mm -hmm. and that is where you work uh, primarily out of. <laughs> yes. But talk about that because this clinic is, um, the concept is a little different. It's collaborative care. Correct. So um, we have physical health, mental health, and substance abuse treatment at the Westside Clinic. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we think about it is oftentimes in the past, we like to separate our mental health, physical illnesses, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Here, you're seeing providers that can help you with all three and oftentimes we don't even know that one can be heavily affecting another it's i can be yeah i can have a client that's coming in or one of the physicians can have a client coming in suffering from headaches mm -hmm. not being able to sleep they might identify after an assessment that maybe they would you know benefit from um, behavioral counseling from therapy that could be more of an anxiety symptom mm -hmm. and not necessarily a physical symptom so it's just nice to be able to collaborate together um, and have a provider available for all of the different areas so you're seeing all the spectrums kind of being handled in one location okay and, and i want to elaborate on that a little bit i've heard the example of like even um with diabetes which mm -hmm. is a medical condition correct there's uh there's can be uh, a correlation with depression. Uh huh. Correct. So yeah. there's there's the example. Of so many of the medical or physical conditions that we talk about or that we think about have great links to anxiety and depression. You know, we can see certain symptomology start coming just knowing that I have diabetes now. Right can cause me to feel extremely anxious. Am I supposed to be eating this? Am I not supposed to be eating, you know? Um, depressive symptoms we also see kind of rise whenever we are diagnosed with any type of physical condition. So as much as we'd love to separate them, they're actually all very much connected. And that's the benefit. Correct. And so you talked about the medical care, mm -hmm. the mental, and then substance use. Correct. We also offer at this location. Yeah. And there is that connection often with mental health and substance use, right. correct? And it is considered, uh, you know, under the the, uh, the diagnosis itself, substance use disorders are considered mental illnesses, right? So we often don't see it that way. Right. There's a lot of stigma attached to that. So that's why you'll see the separation sometimes. So it is being taken care of and handled all at once because we don't necessarily want to separate. So okay. we look at it, you know, we go from anxiety, depression, and substance use. Those are the three top diagnoses that we see in the adult population. Okay. It's not a surprise. A lot of the times, how do we deal with our anxiety and depressive symptoms? We'll cope with yeah, substance, substance issues. Yeah, okay. so they're actually way more connected than we understand sometimes, and just having the availability to treat all of them in the same location is amazing. And, and if I understand correctly, there is uh, research that shows that if you treat them all, that the outcome is better. Correctly. Always, yeah. And it's not really necessarily looking at one and now I've handled this, so now let's take care of that. Usually it's everything at once. And so it, it, it could be complex and it could look complex on the outside, but really if I'm learning the coping skills that I need and I'm having that medication to help me while I'm doing that, while also you know going to therapy and identifying any physical ailments all at once, Got it. 
then that's going to be better for you. Okay, so it's kind of we're taking care of the, the whole person, Correct. so to speak. Okay, mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I want to go to mental health, mm -hmm. uh, and you've been with, with EHN for uh, quite some time. Yeah. You have a lot of experience in this field, so uh, that's why we want you on as our expert. Thank you. Um, what what message would you send to you know those watching and, and mm -hmm. listening about mental health? What do they need to know? Maybe what are some myths out there that, that they need to be aware of? I would say the first one is it affects every single one of us. Throughout our lifetime, we will all be affected with some mental illness. We are definitely going to know of someone that is affected by mental illness. And mental health is important for every single one of us. Um, one of the, the big myths that I hear out there is that it's a weakness to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're slowly getting rid of that stigma, and I love that. It is very powerful and brave to, to reach out to someone, and we're all going to need it at some point. So there's no shame in it. It's... I, I hate using normal and not normal, right? But it's more normal to ask for help and to need it than what we would consider not because it is going to affect every one of us. Okay. And it can be intimidating. Some of the it conversations is. we've had before are, are people don't want to seek help mm -hmm. because they're so intimidated mm -hmm. by because of that stigma. Mm -hmm. But really, when you're understanding what you're dealing with, mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to... Um, what, what would be, I would be see you become, it? yeah, I mean, you have the power to be able to say, now I know what this is. Oftentimes we're making it a lot bigger than it might be, you know, okay. um, and just being able to get those feelings, those emotions, more education. That is the first part. So I tell people just push through that very first session. Once you get through, then oftentimes people say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't, you know, as scary as I thought it was okay. going to be. And you could go on and live your normal life. Your so normal to speak. life, yeah. And so, you know, it could be that you have a couple of sessions. It could be that this is something that's more long term. It is not a one size fits all. Okay. Everyone is extremely different. And so it really is about identifying what do I need? What am I going to get? What do I want? Right. right. Not everybody is the Got same, it. too. So, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. What, and you kind of mentioned this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the question I was going to ask was what are, mo you know, the common. Right. mental health concerns that that you've seen throughout your career? I would say that right now what we're seeing a lot of is anxiety symptoms. Mm -hmm. They are very much and a lot of times we'll see and we'll confuse them. So as I said, anxiety and depression often come together. They love to be with each other. Okay. We don't know necessarily which one comes first. And so we're seeing a lot of behaviors, a lot of high stress individuals that might say, this is my baseline. You know, right. I work great under pressure. This is just who I am, you know. And ah. so when stress kind of hits a certain boiling point in our body and we're like what's going on here so we'll see a lot of anxiety symptomology happening right now okay. um a lot of maybe procrastination um hmm. maybe difficulty getting out of bed could be you know anxiety sometimes and not depression sometimes we think isolating it's because i'm depressed well maybe it's because being out there is scary for me right now and identifying that those symptoms are linked to anxiety more than what we believe okay. for them so when be. i if you can clarify mm -hmm. this for me in in my lack of knowledge mm -hmm. you think of anxiety of um you know breathing fast or not wanting to go into a crowd i'm assuming anxieties got a whole spectrum right life. it could be i'm waiting until the very last minute to complete this task because in my mind i'm just a procrastinator okay but truly i'm afraid of whatever it is that this completion it can be a very simple task so it's not all panic attacks which is okay. what you described it's not my heart racing all the time it could be just overthinking okay it could be maybe going into um, different theories we call it cognitive distortions where i'm 
often thinking of the worst case scenario. And I don't even know I'm doing this, but I'm doing it so often that it almost causes me a comfortable feeling because that's where my stress level is normally at. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you, would, would anxiety also be, and you, you briefly talked mm -hmm. on this, like when you um, feel overwhelmed where you have so many things to do that mm -hmm. you end up doing yes. none of them. None of them. Mm -hmm. okay, really? Lack of focus. Yeah. Inability to complete tasks, maybe difficulty with decision making. All yeah. of those things can be linked to anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Another thing we see a lot of is maybe trauma, some um, trauma symptomology um, where, you know, healing and working through those, either something that you're going through now, mm -hmm. recently or far in the past. So, mm -hmm. yeah, what you described right there is a really good description of what anxiety would look like. And so, again, your heart might not be beating. You might right. not be, you know, having those um, different common symptoms that you think of when it comes to anxiety, but you feel like that constantly for a long period of time, right? Stress is normal and natural. We right. need it to complete tasks. But if that stress is so overwhelming that you're not completing anything, then it's the issue. that's when and it And then do you find that often people, and this is where the collaborative care comes in, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm feeling those palpitations or mm -hmm. whatever, and then I go see my medical provider. Mm -hmm. So that's where this collaborative care comes into play. Absolutely, right. Okay. Maybe I'm showing up because I have hives all over my body and I don't yeah. know where they're coming from. And I think that maybe it's allergies or something else. So maybe that could be stress induced from something else. Headaches, mm. aches and pains that we cannot identify for any other reason, right? They've already did all the scans yeah. they've looked through. Maybe they identify that that is depressive, um, you know, symptomology, a lot of different things that, that are linked I to I just thought all my aches and pains were old age. <laughs> It might be something else. Okay. <laughs> it, very, very interesting because you're right. I think we have this this concept of mm -hmm. what anxiety and depression is when Correct. really it's broader than that. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's different for everybody. And my depressive symptoms might look very different than yours okay. and than anybody else's. Same with anxiety. Same with a lot of the different diagnoses. These are symptoms. And what we want to do is focus on the person and what they're feeling mm -hmm. and being able to get them, um, you know, the coping mechanisms needed so that they can essentially, you know, get to living their life and feeling okay, more and let's, comfortable. Let's talk briefly about that. That is part of and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that's part of therapy mm -hmm. is learning and recognizing and mm -hmm. knowing how to cope with it and deal with it. Correct. correct? Mm -hmm. okay. It's not, I'm never going to feel anxious again. I'm never going to get sad again because that's probably impossible for us to set as a goal, right? right? But it's next time I feel this way, now I have a list of things. I have all these tools that I've learned that I can apply and implement and see what works for me and see what doesn't and go back to my therapist and say, hey, this is working great. Can we do more of this? Or this didn't work out so much. Can we try something else? Perfect. Ah, very interesting. Okay, yeah. Lupita, thank you. Of course. Um, I kind of want to move on to another topic. Mm -hmm. So uh, March 1st, the beginning of March, was uh, Self-Injury Awareness Day. And I know you've done some lectures on that. And mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, talked to some uh, students ab uh, yes. about this concept. So mm -hmm. I want to talk a little about that. What is, what do we mean when we talk about self-harm and self-injury? Self-harm, self -harm. So I, I like to say this first, what it is not is suicide because oftentimes it's, it's kind of looked at as the same thing. Okay. What it is, is it's an unhealthy coping mechanism. Oh, okay. We're just talking is. about those yeah. coping skills. So okay. just like drinking, smoking, using drugs is an unhealthy coping mechanism. Self-injury or self-harm is very similar to that, right? Okay. Self-injury is not a diagnosis in itself. So you're never going to be diagnosed with self-injury. It is a symptom 
symptom of something else. We don't necessarily know. It could be a symptom of just about anything. So it's almost like a sneeze is a symptom of a cold or a flu. Got it. Right. And so what we want to find is what is actually causing those coping skills to develop and why are they being implemented? So um, it's very different than suicide. Suicide is actually I intend to kill myself. Right. Well, self-injury is a lot of different things. Okay. So self-injury could come in what form? It can come in cutting, burning, which is usually what we'll see and what we think of first, right? But it could be pulling my hair out. It could be hitting myself. It could be me not eating or it could be me binge eating. Mm -hmm. It could even be me staying in relationships that are not healthy for myself, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of different ways. Um, We also think of it as just an adolescent issue. It's not true. We see that in all ages, all different types of people. You know, a lot of different people suffer from Mm self-injury. Okay. And what are some of the different, I've read uh, several different things that the injury might make them feel like they're in control. Correct. Uh, there's different reasons why they pick that right. particular. And so this goes back to everyone is very different, right? Okay. I've seen people that maybe started with self-injury due to boredom, right? Okay. They didn't realize that it was something that was going to help them cope. And it did after they saw someone else do it, huh. right? Something like that. It could be essentially, I feel numb, so I want to make myself feel. Oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe my emotions are too much, right? Emotionally, I can't, so I want to feel physically and know myself that way, right? Um, Some stigma attached to it could be, you know, and I've heard this before and we want to try to change that, is it's attention-seeking behavior, right? What I like to say is it's attention-needing. We're all humans. Mm -hmm. We all need attention. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, that's the only way that we can show that we need that attention. And so it can come in all different forms and start or continue on for a lot of different reasons. And that's what we want to find out is what is going on with this specific person. Okay. So let's say you have a a friend Mm -hmm. um, or maybe even a family member who you might notice a certain behavior. Correct. How do we reach out to them? How do we help them? So I would always say that you want to reach out to someone, um, you know, a professional that might be able to give you guidance depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. Staying as calm as possible is always helpful because oftentimes, especially a parent, you know, if you see someone, you see one of your kiddos that's, um, you know, self-injuring, you might say, oh, my God, what's going on? Stop this right now. And so we want to try to stay as calm as possible. And sometimes it's helpful to have someone that knows more about it to be able to help you through those steps. So, again, it's a coping strategy. So what we want to find is someone to help implement healthy coping strategies to take over that unhealthy coping strategy. Right. So staying calm. We never keep secrets whenever it comes to self-injury. So you want to tell someone, um, you know, because the person essentially, although it is not suicide. okay, we could we have seen, um, you know, certain self-injurious behaviors that maybe the cutting went too far or, you know, so you want to always be safe. You want to let someone know and you want to never shame the person right you they're already feeling something negative so the last thing that we want to do is make them feel worse by shaming them making them feel badly about it really i've never known of anyone that wants to do this right and so we want to help them learn those healthy coping strategies got it is this something that might start off let's say with a teen Mm-hmm. But then they uh, they maybe progress to using substances yes. or alcohol mm-hmm. to cope with that. Absolutely. Okay. I and see we that often. Avoid that. We want to avoid that. Right. So, again, if it's an unhealthy coping strategy, sometimes that leads to other unhealthy okay. coping strategies. And so absolutely you can see it go in different directions. Right. Okay. And so we see often that once you implement those healthier coping strategies that they identify, OK, you know, I'm not being shamed for this. This is out in the open. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's more common than I even thought. Right. 
it's not the secret anymore, then they're able to actually implement healthier ways to deal with those feelings, emotions, whatever it is that they're suppressing or that they're not able to really handle on their own. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, love the information. Thank you. Very Thank valuable. You. I do want to um, end on, on the note talking about, since you know you, you are a therapist and mm -hmm. for those uh, um, thinking, you know, I need to call someone. I, mm -hmm. I need to take that step. Yeah but they're intimidated to do mm -hmm. so. What would you what would you tell them? I would say just prepare for your first session. Look at it in the same way that you would think of going to the dentist or to the doctors, right? It's the same thing. We're going to gather information. Okay. A lot of the first um, couple of sessions is just getting to know the person. I tell people all the time, if you don't necessarily connect with that counselor, that's okay. We don't take it personal. Yeah. It's always about finding someone that you connect with. Don't think that you're going to get that first session and that you're going to have to really kind of go deep into everything and know what you need to say. Okay. Um, maybe just make sure that you have a day of just comfort, meaning, you know, don't plan anything around that first therapy session that you might feel, you know, that's going to cause you more stress. So yeah. give yourself that time to get there okay. to leave you know comfortably and um i i just tell people just get to the first one because okay. usually it's not as scary you know i have people tell me all the time this was a lot easier than i thought it was okay. going to be so Good. just be open-minded to get through that first session okay. well and i'm sure you make it easy well, thank so you you're very easy to talk to appreciate okay. you thank you very much thank Lupita. you and uh all this information and if you did want to you know reach out to ehn uh, to maybe make an appointment, you can always go to our website. It's emergencehealthnetwork.org. And also you can call 915-242-0555 and let them know what services you're interested in. Okay. Thank, thank you, you. And thank you guys. We'll see you next time. We are Emergence Health Network, caring for our community for more than 55 years. Our mental health professionals provide trauma-informed care through our 24-hour crisis services, children and adult outpatient clinics, substance use treatment programs, assistance for our military, and programs to help individuals with developmental disabilities. Through community collaborations, we have also worked to expand behavioral health access in our schools and on our streets. At EHN, we are committed to your mental well-being. This is us, working for you. Thank you for letting us be mindful of your health. Brought to you by Emergence Health Network. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.